0: hey everyone this is derek Bros with the conscious resistance network and today i want to share with you a little bit of a behind the scenes video about a conversation i had with a nbc journalist if you want to call her that who is actually known as nbc's misinformation expert before i get into that though i want to remind you guys to bookmark my website theconsciousresistance.com which is where you can find all of my latest content including updates like the fact that i'm taking a break for the next couple of weeks you can read more about that and subscribe to us on all of our usual social media if you want to support us please do so at buymeacoffee and substack.com so back in September 2022 i did this video called De- debunking nbc satanic panic misinformation claims and how qAnon poisons the well and i covered these two articles i also did this article for the last american vagabond a couple days later called are the children lying reexamining the satanic panic and looking at These NBC articles, one NBC article that basically says questioning, of course, the government makes you a conspiracy theorist, makes you an extremist. And the other one was this NBC coverage by Brandy Zajonski, who is, according to NBC, their senior reporter, their misinformation expert. And this is the article right here. Uh, It's called Satanic Panic is Making a Comeback Fueled by QAnon Believers and GOP Influencers, which is why I say QAnon poisons the well. And anyways, you can find out all that, but nonetheless, Brandy Zadronsky actually reached out to me and asked me if she could talk to me about my work. I didn't know if it was in response to this video I did here, but her and her producer ended up interviewing me early in 2023, and I don't know if they planned to use it. I thought they were going to do a hit piece on me. So far, they haven't released anything. Maybe it's still to come. But I decided, you know what, this has just been sitting on my, my files for a while now. I'm going to release it to you guys. I recorded the entire conversation. And I want you to watch all the way to the end, especially because this is an exercise in understanding of how these quote-unquote misinformation experts work. And, and think about this woman's the senior reporter, probably getting paid way more money than I am. And she tells me that she doesn't question or look into information until the so-called experts or the authorities tell her to. And obviously, we know that's not journalism, but just want to share this with you guys. Again, stay all the way to the end of the conversation. It is really a lesson and just propaganda and people who are just full of cognitive dissonance. So, Ms. Zadrosny, if you're seeing this, you know, I hope to hear from you again soon. And hopefully whatever you put out about me is, is the truth and not the lies. Everybody else, I'll see you at the next video. Till next time, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Peace. Hey. How are you?
1: I'm good. We have a sort of similar hairdo, but yours is much fuller and more (laughs) (laughs) voluminous. You're welcome. Um, So, hi, thank you for taking some time. I really do appreciate it. Um, And hopefully, this won't be too painful. Uh, I don't know, I think I said via email, I don't know exactly what we're the final product of all the stuff we're collecting looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been sort of just like chatting with people and following. I've been in Utah a little bit, just chatting with everybody I can, talking with law enforcement there. I think like just the backstory of this is that I... Um, I report on conspiracy theories and the internet. And so when I heard the David Levitt stuff, the press conference, my ears perked up because I was like, he, what? Like, you're saying, I'm sorry that you never did what now? Um, and so I started covering the case and I had already been sort of looking and thinking about like this heightened um, talk of Satan and pedophilia with like the LGBTQ stuff. It's sort of like in the ether right now, politically and culturally. And so when this happened, it sort of provided a lead for this reporting that I had been doing um, because these allegations were sort of for me and people that I talked to ripped straight from satanic panic sort of allegations. They sounded all the same. They were similar in, you know, tone and, and allegation. So I wrote my piece and then I thought like that's the end of that, you know, on to the next thing and then we got news that there was an arrest, right? And David Handlin was arrested. And that sort of changes a lot about stuff, you know, it's there's no question that even if it was politically motivated that you know, these were real, this is in the court system now. And so we were going to see more evidence, somebody they had enough evidence they think where they could either plead get a plea deal or they could run this through to a jury and so I'm extra interested now in seeing sort of what is happening here and what happens here and that's sort of the basis for why I'm still covering this when usually I would be on to the next thing um so having said that do you, I'm happy I have questions for you which I'm happy to pepper you with if there's anything you want to ask beforehand or mm. um know about me or the project I know yeah
0: no, I mean, thanks for following up with it. I think that's important. So thank you for, for sure. recognizing that there's something to this case. Cause it's definitely like, like you said, I mean, the press conference, uh, I heard about it before, right. When Levitt did his press conference, when the, uh, the sheriff's office posted their press release through another, another researcher friend and uh, that, you know, Caught my interest as well because of the title of Ritualized Child Sexual Abuse. And then it just got weirder from there. And so I started following pretty much from the beginning.
1: So um, well, let's talk about all that. But first, um, first things first, can you just tell me your full name, your age and um, your occupation?
0: Derek Bros, 38, journalist.
1: Um, and you, where do you live? Where do you reside?
0: I'm based in Houston. Texas. Okay,
1: and then I I saw you with your email yesterday. Also, Mexico. Are you? Do you split your time?
0: Yeah, I live in Central Mexico and in Texas.
1: Okay, um, but you and you are an American citizen, or yeah, are you
0: born in Houston, raised yeah, in Houston. Okay.
1: okay. Last question about where you live. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Why do you? Um, what do you do in Mexico that brings you over there?
0: Um. I partners, families from here. And I've been visiting for a number of years for originally for doing public speaking at various events, uh, but just love Mexico. So, and obviously being in Houston, the border is not so far. So there's some benefits to being both sides of the border.
1: Got it. Um, Okay. So I did a little Googling, not much, but I found this um, old video of you on, with Alex Jones talking about your work in Houston, your activist work there, uh, I thought it was really illuminating because I watch a lot of Alex Jones now, and he's pretty different than he was he's in definitely, 2012. It's, definitely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I guess what I'm asking is, um, how long have you been an activist? Like, what brought you into activism generally, and you know what, what sort of things are you passionate about?
0: Um. So, I mean, I guess my activism in a public way started in 2010 in Houston, and, uh, I mean, it really just came about, I am I was, a, uh, I got addicted to drugs at 19 years old, 20 years old, went to prison, and then when I got out of prison, uh, at, I was 23, whenever everything was said and done, October 2008, I was sort of um, just doing research, you know, just learning about, for one, the drug war was like my first passionate thing, because I'd gotten out because of drugs, and felon rights and it was getting reintegrated back into society as they say and I had an ex on my back as a felon and right away was not able to get a job here or get rented here and those kinds of fun things so I was already kind of starting to wake up to uh, questioning the justice system and things like that and then that just sort of naturally led into researching starting with like the drug war cannabis and all that stuff and then i eventually started a a group called the houston freethinkers in 2010 and just first as like a blog and then started having like monthly meetings with other people just trying to organize different things from benefit shows for various causes community garden builds i lived in a community space with a few other people where we would have we had a backyard community garden and we would host art shows and music shows and protests and rallies and this was around the time of Occupy so I was collaborating with and working a lot with a lot of Occupy Houston activists and starting to just network with other activists from around the country that's kind of where it started.
1: Do you have an idea of, like, you have various platforms now. I know you have a podcast, you have a video stream, you have, you write on various platforms. Do you have any idea about, like, how widely your work is sort of seen? Can you even measure that? I don't
0: know. Um, I mean, I would say in the hundreds of thousands, uh, broadly. I mean, maybe not with every video or anything like that, but between the networks that I'm connected to or a part of. I mean, uh, I remember... I don't keep up too much with the stats anymore, but uh, at one point, my original YouTube channel before it was tanked in October 2020, we had over a million views for various videos and uh, I think 65 or 70,000 subscribers before it was deleted. And so now I'm more distributed through different channels and just kind of not necessarily just because of YouTube, but just trying to read more broadly where before I was focused on video. Now I try to... Do different formats so yeah i mean roughly i would say in the hundreds of thousands maybe who've come across why my was work. your
1: youtube yeah why was your youtube deleted
0: because of covid misinformation policies from youtube Got it. for sharing do an you know interview the video with uh yeah it was an interview with dr richard chang who is a doctor a u.s citizen and a chinese citizen who was doing some of the early research on treating Chinese patients with vitamin C. And I did an interview with him, a very kind of boring interview, actually, of him describing this protocol and the research they were doing. And uh, it was struck for not aligning with World Health Organization policy. Oh,
1: um, RIP, sorry about that. Um, so, what, so I, you told me how you, the one case came on your radar. Can I ask, like, what drew you to it?
0: Um, Well, this isn't my only focus as far as trafficking and things like trafficking of children or similar kind of accusations, but I have done work on this in the past. I mean, I was uh, researching Jeffrey Epstein in 2017, and I put out a mini documentary called Bringing Down Jeffrey Epstein in 2018 after visiting his house. And I was reporting on some of the, the hearings way before he was arrested and going and interviewing attorney Bradley Edwards and just doing that research already so i kind of had a you know a, a little bit of an interest in that whole thing as far as uh everything connected to jeffrey epstein and what that you know what that's about and from there um i did another documentary after that about the finders cult which was part of the 80s um 1980s which you said was satanic panic what some people refer to a moral panic um, and I hadn't really heard anything about that, but it was also a situation that happened in Florida. I happened to be in Florida going to Epstein's house, and then I stopped to interview an ex-member of this cult and uh, hear his side of the story. And that ended up turning to a, a hour-long documentary about the situation from the 80s and what happened and what was claimed and letting the, uh, one of the organizers of the cult speak for himself, which obviously he denies any sort of accusations and things of that sort. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, so I had already been doing that work over the years, and then whenever I heard about it from uh, another another associate who was reporting on it, he had done a very overview, kind of like, like, I think he did a five-minute video about it, like the sheriff's office announced this thing, and it's kind of crazy, wow, this is an interesting thing. And I decided to look in deeper into it, and the more I looked into it or started to dive into it, uh, it seemed worth pursuing.
1: So you've you've like had a chance to look at a lot of the documents that have been, I don't know, did you get them from a grammar request or they were posted everywhere? So I guess, have you had a chance to look at these all the documents in the 2012 case?
0: Yeah, I have them, the documents and the video and audio and everything.
1: Yeah. Do you have, so from all the stuff that you've collected and the reporting that you've done, do you have a sort of theory about the Hamlin case at the moment?
0: Um, well, I mean, there's... There's a lot of theories there's uh, what I think is most important for me and the way I've tried to stay objective about it is, and from talking with Sergeant Cannon, who I know you've spoken with as well, uh, that there, the current charges against Hamblin were, are not the same charges as 2012, at least at the moment. Now, if they open up a broader investigation, who knows where that could go. But so as I've been reporting, because obviously, so I got the files early on, knew who David Hamlin was and knew about the whole situation. The only people reporting at that time were the local media, Adam Herberts in Utah. He was the only one still following the case, but he was refusing to name any suspects that were involved, which I took the similar approach because at the time the sheriff's office hadn't released any suspects. So I was sort of taking the approach of, okay, here's this previous case with these claims. But as far as we know, that has nothing to do with this ongoing new investigation. We suspected, people paying attention, myself and others, that it was going to be David Hamblin that would be uh, arrested at some point. But for me, I didn't, so I haven't done any articles like exploring publicly. I've made some references to a few of the things, but I've tried to just stay away from that for the moment. I think it can be a distraction until there's some clear connection to the current case, but um, they're a part of the conversation in general. Uh, But yeah, so I think what's happening right now is David Hamblin is a man who is, based on his own words, admitted to raping some of his clients and his own daughters. And his daughters are have spoken about this somewhat publicly, but, um, uh, you know, and have made their accusations. And then there's some of his former clients. And I've I don't know if you've seen my work with Kate Talley. She was the wife of one of Hamblin's best friends, Eldon Talley. And she spoke to me and shared her story of their relationship, getting to know Hamblin, and, and the way that he influenced her husband, and uh, you know, this guy definitely seems to use spirituality and some kind of faux native uh, traditions that he claims he got from some shaman in Mexico to, uh, to to abuse people, to abuse victims, and he does this or he did this as in his capacity as a therapist and outside of that capacity as part of this healing group that he was forming. So that. I feel confident in for sure. And knowing that there's evidence of that and people ready to speak about that and speaking about that, as far as the 2012 allegations, I think there's, those are worth looking into, but until that's what they're going after, then it's almost irrelevant.
1: Yeah. I saw, I did see that Kate um, contacted you and is, was that just like you put out your articles? she saw the articles and then she contacted you and said, I have, I have a story and I know, I know about that and then you
0: interviewed her. Is that how that went? Yeah, Kate first contacted me anonymously and then we started to communicate and get to know each other a little bit. And uh, when she was ready to share publicly what she what she experienced and how she knew Hamblin, we decided to do a couple of articles. Uh, and yeah, that came from, cause when I started to research Hamblin, I did an initial five or six articles on like starting with the Hamblin case and okay, let's look a little, a little deeper. But then I kind of expanded into just looking at the history of these claims in Utah and then these claims within the Mormon church. And that's when Kate and some others, I guess, heard about the reporting and and contacted me and and she made her relationship with Hamblin clear to me.
1: Have other people reached out to you too? Is it not just Kate?
0: Yeah, there's been quite a few people, especially as it relates to the Mormon church.
1: Um, Anybody else specifically claiming to be victims of Hamlin and the wider group
0: not victims but people who are who 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 seem to have knowledge of the case or who knew Hamlin through the circles I mean I didn't know I've been to Utah a few times but I didn't know how much how how many people are connected through the church in Utah and uh, you know so whether or not they're you know any allegations about the church being involved that kind of stuff people know each other through, Oh, I was in this, you know, I had this uh, mission with them or I served with this person. There's a lot of people who know each other through that. So I think that people have rumors have spread or people have shared their stories. And so there's some people like, Oh, I remember meeting Hamblin here. or I heard this thing one time, but nothing yeah, solid Kate, as far as victims.
1: Um, Kate also, there was two parts to Kate. And the first part was like all about Hamblin, and about Elden Tally and about her experience with that and the abuse that she said she sort of suffered that and then she got away. And then the second one, like if I can just be really honest here, it it was like the first one sounded sort of believable. All that stuff he said, we knew about Hamlin. And then the second one was about like her being a victim previously of satanic ritual abuse and so I think like that just uh, to an outsider, to someone, a normal, a, a normal person, but to someone like me, I read that and I'm like, Oh, that seems like it's, so we're talking about the CIA. We're talking about satanic ritual abuse. And it just sort of like makes me a little skeptical. I'm wondering like,
0: maybe not even about
1: Kate. Is Do I know why I feel it, that way?
0: Yeah. What is the trigger for you as far as that makes I you think it's skeptical? Like
1: the I think it's the '80s Satanic Panic and like the fact that the FBI and and another um, government study found literally no evidence. All the McMartin stuff and no tunnels were ever found. Like I think it's just like we've had. I I, I think we've had such a a, a, a series. I'll a, switch up. I want to want to say. I think we've had such a wide, and generally accepted debunking of some of this stuff that for me. It it makes me think. Well, if if you're still like beating the SRA drum, then I don't I don't know. Without any evidence, it's hard for me to say. Well, I can believe that, but not this. And not that I don't believe her. I'm just those. Are, I guess let me phrase it like this. How? What do you think about satanic ritual abuse? How do you see that? And if it does it, am I does it not? You know, make you look sort of skeptical when you hear those claims, or are you a believer in satanic ritual abuse? What do you think?
0: I don't know that i would use that term but i've interviewed and talked to enough people and in the case of the finders which happened in the 80s um i mean there's just so many ways to go it wasn't debunked there's a bunch of lies that did take place i have a friend who considers himself an expert to be in mcmartin uh mcmartin expert that you should maybe speak to if you want to hear more about that that's not my area of expertise but there definitely clearly were examples of people claiming things that and they use that word satanic and I, you know, I don't know what exactly that means, even if, if people mean that in terms of somebody who worships Satan or if it just means people who have different beliefs. But uh, as I showed in one of my parts uh, after investigating Hamblin, that there is clear evidence of ritual abuse in Utah. Now, even the investigators say they wouldn't necessarily call it satanic, but there is ex- evidence of rituals being used in terms of conditioning for victims and stuff like that. That doesn't mean every person is like, they're praying to Satan or something like that. So I think that that's the problem with kind of just saying like this catch all, like, Oh, that's all been debunked and throwing it away. I mean, in the finders case, we have four different FBI document dumps that have come out since my documentary, including a clear document that says that the CIA was involved in closing the case on the finders and that the finders had connections to intelligence. that's just one example of a case that took place in that period that is often labeled in, would be dismissed probably by normal people as satanic panic or it just sounds too crazy. Um, So I, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical, but open-minded because I've seen enough and documented enough and followed these cases to like interviewing the ex customs agent in the finders case who blew the whistle, who lost his job and tracking him down and actually doing journalism and heard from people and seeing that there is evidence of, organized rings that traffic children and people things of that sort i mean that happens all over the world but as sergeant cannon told me for some reason whenever you put the word ritual in front of the investigation it causes people to immediately have skepticism or to jump to whatever sort of thing in their mind that makes it easy to dismiss it's you know cognitive dissonance does that mean that every QAnon random crazy theory that people put forward has any truth not at all. In fact, I spent a lot of time the last few years debunking a bunch of that because it discredits the actual factual stories like Epstein, like The Finders, and and I think what's going on with Hamplin. Now, again, I don't look to the 2012 documents at the moment as based on pure fact. We don't know because it needs to be investigated. But there's at least five different victim statements describing hundreds of different incidents of abuse, and they claim the people involved in that, did pray to satan and did pray to lucifer now that doesn't mean i need to believe in it to see that that's what somebody's claiming happened to them and in the case of kate there is no physical evidence obviously these things happened to her decades ago um but i let her share her story because i think that it's a story that that other people have had as well and other people have reached out since then sharing their stories i don't claim to know whether these are You know, implanted memories, false memory syndrome, just some way for them to explain it psychologically if they went through abuse and they just exaggerated or whatever. It's not my place to say I'm not a psychologist, but to deny that people report these things, I think, is um, irresponsible or to dismiss them as just, I guess, not normal people
1: yeah i mean i knew the second i said normal people that was not and not even what i meant but like i think that, i think that you know the whole idea of something that some person labels a conspiracy theory is that it goes against the widely accepted normal explanation for something and that's all i meant i'm not saying like people who
0: believe in things
1: that would be labeled okay um I can tell that about you Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, So I did watch, I watched your, um, the finders documentary today, actually, um, between the hour I had, Um, I just watched it and I thought it was really interesting. I'm from Florida. Um, I don't really have a question about that. I just, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think, I, 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 I think it's, it's kind of hard, but whether it's this case or another, I think that there is a, there's like the whole idea of just asking questions, right? And you, you know, lay out a particular set of facts that are all true, but at the end of it, you sort of lead, not you, but generally people can sort of lead people to believe or come to a conclusion that isn't really, um, hasn't clearly been documented. It's just been a bunch of questions all, all sort of run together, right? So I guess, I just want to ask you, and this is just about something generally not about the Hamlin case, but, I don't know what you believe about The Finders. Do you, you, because you you do put a lot of like different, do you come to a conclusion? Let's just say about The Finders, particularly since you made that film, do you have a conclusion or a theory about that? Or are you sort of mired in the questions yourself?
0: Um, I do have a theory, but I think it's also still mired in questions. Um, Since the documentary, which thank you for watching it, I actually went back and interviewed Toby Terrell again, and he didn't like the documentary. Um, And I put that out on my website as well, so I might make a part two of it, because like I said, after I put out the documentary, for whatever reason, I didn't put any FOIA requests uh, for this specifically, I know other people have, but the FBI on their vault page, they've since posted four different finders, files, dumps, and the first couple are hundreds of pages and i've done videos going through all them and there are like i said there are clear lines in there there was at least two different officers involved in the original investigation who were speaking out saying that there was a cover-up going involved you have the testimony of ramon martinez so when i talk about the finders i tell people that there's three main accusations against them that they're satanic cults whatever that might mean that they were trafficking children and that they had connections to the intelligence community The least evidence-based claim is the satanic one. The strongest is the connection to intelligence commu- connections. There's clear connections between Marion Petty the founder as well as other people in there and the documents that have come out through the FBI clearly make it they make it clear that that at some point some element of the CIA and the FBI had been working with the finders cult to some degree and in their own words they went rogue. So, I mean that I don't know why that would never be taken seriously or investigated, but Vice News reported on the Finders two years ago is it's just a joke. Here's the thing that started the QAnon stuff, and it's all dismissed and laughed at. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the intelligence connections are strong. The something weird with kids might have been there, but there's no hard evidence still. Um, And then the satanic, there was a circle of stones in their back uh, trail out of their house that may have been misinterpreted. There's, I've never seen or heard from anybody who's said more than that. So in that case, I wouldn't label that satanic ritual abuse or whatever it was. And I still don't think we have the truth of it, but I do think it's worth asking about.
1: Do you, Do you, Do you? because you sort of live on um, these contested, stories or, or accounts of things i guess do you have any examples that you can point me to and maybe this is your mcmartin friend too of like a clear-cut See, satan satanic ritual abuse is real and this is an example of it um
0: um i i i wouldn't point to any specific i don't even know if john would john brisson's the uh, the researcher i'm talking about with mcmartin preschool he's also a researcher working on a book about the finders um I don't know if he would call McMartin satanic, but I know he has the evidence of that and the Glendale uh, Montessori school that there actually were, was abuse of children happening. Um, I think, honestly, I mean, in the case of Hamblin, like, let's say that the Hamblin case did go to a wider investigation. Those 2012 documents came in. Would someone like you then take those claims serious? Okay, now, like you said, it's in court. And then those victims who said these things before come bring their testimony just because they call it satanic or they call it Lucifer, would it automatically be dismissed by you and NBC and others? Or would it then at that point rise to the occasion of like, okay, I have to take this seriously, whether I believe in Satan or not, this is what somebody else is reporting happened to them. Because I don't know. I feel like it's these cases, as I've written before, for one, any abuse is going to be covered up. And especially if there's abuse involving high profile people or networks of people, which is what is proposed in those 2012 documents against Hamlet, I mean, involving all kinds of people, some who are still influential people in their their areas. Um, But yeah, I think that there's also the potential that this satanic ritual abuse claim could be, in some cases, used as a way to discredit the actual abuse. Um, I don't know that I would say it doesn't happen or can't happen. And like I said, there's evidence of ritual abuse taking place, maybe not in the name of Satan or anything like that, but rituals that people have used, which could be all just garbage that they do to scare their victims or because they believe in, you know, they're doing something, whether it's true or not. Um, but I think it's also the possibility that satanic ritual abuse is a label. Like, for example, you could write an article about it and talk about David Levitt and talk about the Hamblin thing, but discredit it as just QAnon stuff as the first article did. And that mm-hmm. it to me demeans the case and that there's a real investigation going on here. Um, so I, I don't know if I would vouch for all these claims of cases involving satanic ritual abuse. I definitely wouldn't.
1: Yeah, I th- I think in terms of coverage, like what what's important um, is that you know? One, it's there is it's, it's it's someone with some sort of authority feels like they're real, right? That that these are allegations that we should look into. And when I read the document, um, I mean, to me, the documents, the victim statements. I mean, they're alleging, you know, mass murder on a grand scale. They're alleging that a whole town, right, Spring City basically the whole of Spring City was part of this um cabal of child molesters and Luciferians and et cetera, et cetera. And so that was the and it was written in the it was written in 2013, but the the stories just seemed straight out of whatever. And I think what's more important too is you're like, well will you cover it? But I think that there's like um there's a sort of place that you have to reach where you, where because if we write david lovett is being accused of pedophilia and all of this stuff or whoever if we put these allegations out and we 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 entertain them as believable just because someone says them like let's say kate for instance then what that does is there there is still a victim, someone's hurting there because now eldon tally for example his name is out on the internet as an abuser right he is a, an abuser and a cult member and all of this stuff. And so it's like, well, we have to be a little careful, right? Because especially with the internet, these accusations can have insane, terrible effects on real people's lives. Like I know right now, no, I'm not really talking to anyone that's being accused in these documents, but, you know, Levitt, I talked to Levitt and his wife and, you know, terrible comments being left on her BYU website, people calling into her home, people even in the neighborhood are sort of believing this. They won't let their kids play with their kids. So I think these things do have an effect. Not you know, so like I, I believe people inherently, especially I'm a woman, I'm a mother. Like my inclination is to believe people, but I also think we have a bar to reach on the other side before we go straight to believing them and into publishing and, and promoting what they're saying. We need to be careful with that, right?
0: I get that. I mean I think it's also it's just eve like just Hearing you explain yourself, you can hear the contradictions come up, though, and I think you heard them as well, that like there's, okay, well, I want to believe women, but unless they mention satanic activity or ritual abuse, unless they mention something that triggers me in a way that I don't think is accurate enough, until somebody in a position of authority says so, then I'll believe it and report on it. I get the idea of protecting people, not just, that's why I didn't just, here's what these documents of Hamblin say, and here's all the people named. Others are choosing to do that, and that's the way they're going about it. Um, I don't want to send somebody to go attack somebody or yell at them if they haven't done anything or, you know, I'm definitely even as an independent journalist sticking to, um, you know, to my ethics and not and doing my best not to violate that. And at the same time, I think that so if somebody is accused of something in documents and these documents went to court, as they did in the Hamlin case and weren't dismissed for lack of evidence, as I'm sure, you know, um those allegations, they haven't really been tried to find whether they're accurate or not. Levitt and others in there are assumed innocent until proven guilty, or they should be at least. But does it not even pique your interest to just know that this person is accused of all kinds of crazy things, which you could say, okay, these children, these—you know they imagined things when they were younger, or they made them up as adults, or um and they took the time to write out over 150 different incidents of abuse, naming people, places, incidents, things like it's a lot of work to go to just, I don't know, get make people mad or just because you want attention. And there really wasn't any attention coming to the people saying this. And again, as you know, David Levitt called uh Hamblin's daughters mentally ill, trying to like play it off like, oh, that's the words of a mentally ill person that later she's not mentally ill. She's a strong woman who has stood up and said what she believes happened to her. I don't have the evidence if that happened or not, but I just think it's 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 odd and sad and interesting to hear that it takes a person of authority to say something for it to matter and that people want to be sympathetic and listen to people when they have stories to share. They shouldn't I don't think blindly trusting anybody is a good idea either way, but I don't think dismissing them, you know, offhand because their story doesn't line up with what we believe is a good thing either.
1: Yeah. I mean, and just to be clear, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that to become newsworthy, you know, I can't, I could go on outside in my street of Brooklyn and I could find many people um, telling wild stories and they're not all newsworthy, but if the Brooklyn, if the, you know, New York city PD um, makes process charges against one of the people they accuse, well, then that's maybe newsworthy and that's worth looking into a little more just like for my job. Uh, I think what's clear and what we can probably agree on is that I don't think that that four three or four girls just sort of make this up for no reason either and I think that it's whether it's true or not like what they believe happened to them at at, at, if, if what happened to them happened to them that's terrifying and terrible and I hope people are in prison for a long time and if what they believe didn't happen something terrible still happened to make them think that and that's worthy of examination too that's where i'm at
0: i agree and I, I i appreciate you like i said being willing to follow up or at least pull this thread to see where it goes and i hope it ends up more in a report that does more than just make fun of me and the people you talk to i hear you because that's you. what people expect. That's why so many people do not trust NBC or the mainstream media because they see things like that. And I, I, like I said, I play the role sometimes of fact checker within the independent community because there are people, as you mentioned, who are willing to believe things without facts. Even if I say, hey guys, I don't have all the facts on this thing. This is a claim being made. Again, no facts here yet. We're waiting for evidence. People will make their beliefs and and run with it wherever they will. Uh, I do my best, uh, you know, as any sort of journalist anybody might listen to that we should stick with what we know but i also think there's the other extreme of that and that's just discounting everything because we don't have you know the document that proves it perfectly you know obviously there's times when we can we can um we can insinuate we can we can draw and provide context to help people understand stories better and the story about hamblin that you guys put out i mean it wasn't even mentioned to like the 10th paragraph down that there was a real investigation taking place from the sheriff's it was just like oh poor hamblin this is you know uh, poor levitt this is q anon coming to infect the sheriff's race and oh by the way there's an investigation going on by the sheriffs and then an arrest happened so it was to me a little bit disrespectful to the actual investigation and I know Sergeant Cannon felt the same way to just put that out and attempt to essentially discredit the case so I'm glad yeah, that I was there's some say, follow-up. You're,
1: you're not alone <laughs> yeah you're, you're definitely not alone and um being annoyed I'll just say or frustrated at at me about that article so you're in good company um <laughs> uh but we are we are looking at it and let the facts um you know, go where the facts go. Um, as this rolls out, because this might take a year, right? It might take more than a year. We don't really know, but we're just sort of starting to get rolling on it and to collect things. And again, at the as at at the end, whatever the end looks like, then we can look at all that we have and sort of piece together what happened and um, and who was telling that story. And you're definitely among those people. Are you going to keep on it um, as the trial progresses or if it goes to trial or have you moved on what do you think
0: i'm still gonna stay on it i mean i think hamblin actually might have had a hearing today um some sort of like procedural hearing nothing major but yeah i'm planning to stay especially if it does go to any kind of jury trial or anything where there could be more information brought out or witnesses called and that sort of thing um, but yeah, I'm keeping my eye, eye on it and following up with it. Um, it's definitely, it's, it consumed my, my life for a few months, digging into it and talking to people like Kate and others. And like I said, just learning about the, the lay of the land in Utah pretty much.
1: Same. Um, so are, and would you travel there? Do you have any idea? Cause I know you I, travel a lot for.
0: I do I would like to probably, depending on where this goes, I think it could make a, an interesting mini-documentary depending on what happens and even asking some of these questions that maybe others don't think are worth asking.
1: You're good. Um, All right. Thank you, Derek. I really appreciate your time. My email is you have it. And if there's ever anything I should know, if you could send me your friend's um, email or, or um, website, and I could get in touch, I'd really appreciate that. Or you could just give me his name and I could look at myself. So I'm not giving you homework. Uh,
0: What's his name again? John J O H N Brisson B R I -S S S O N.
1: All right. Um, Well, thank you. And if you need anything or have any questions, um, please feel free and I'll be in touch because we'll probably be in the same places.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Have a good day.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. Bye.